Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Episode 166 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better. Have you met the 50 million metric ton woman? I'm going all to pieces. And food is for the birds. But before we get there, Gregoire, what has happened to you this week in science? It's a bit of a what's going to happen in the next week of science and also what happened the last week of science. It all makes sense. Well, I'm going to have to write a whole new tune then, a whole new <laughs> intro. What? A fortnight of science? That a doesn't fort- ring. That's a terrible <laughs> phrase. And, and really, a fortnight is not. It's a very Australian thing. Not everyone uses the word fortnight. It's not like in British, America. In, in Britain, yes. they do. I think they do, but Americans don't really know what a fortnight is. I think it's a computer game for angry teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you tell it, if you tell an American, oh, when when you do think, oh, about quarter to four in the arvo in about a fortnight, they'd yeah. be like, you're speaking gibberish. Yeah, you're a mad person. But National Science Week here in Australia will have already begun by the time you hear this. It started on the fifteenth of uh, the August, the month that we are in, and will run to the twenty third. And as you can tell, that means it's a National Science Week, not a National Maths Week, because that's not a week. That's more than a week. That's not that's not even a working week or a full week. That, that's that's eight days. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days. Sorry, nine days. That's you can, pretty week. That's, that's a hell of a week. Is, that's it, is, the, is that just the? Is it just spelt bad? It's just Science Week. <laughs> But we can't we can't spell or do maths. But yes, National Science Week. Have a look online. Just type in Australian National Science Week and find all the cool things going on around you. But while I'm mentioning it, why I'm mentioning it, it's not just because yes, we should be promoting science. Is there was a competition, a National Science Week competition, where you had to write a monologue about science or science researchers. And I say not. In order- a manifesto. Not a manifesto. I, and so I said, well, I, I do that sort of stuff. I'll give it a go. And so I threw together a five-minute monologue about language and researchers and people from other countries coming to Australia to research. And long story short, it's bloody one. Hey, so, we're the winner, chicken dinner. Woo! I am a winner. Wait, that's and, not Fortnite? No, that's PUBG. Okay. We're down with the kids. And it was recorded on Monday. I went to watch the the recording of it and a nice lady, an actor from Perth, recorded it for me because I could do it, but I don't speak Italian. And I very stupidly put Italian into my own monologue, but I don't speak it, so I couldn't record it. And so a very good actor came and she recorded it for me. And so it's going to be coming out. I think the time you hear this, it'll be available for you to go and see. So maybe we'll put it in the show notes or maybe I'll just tweet it. Well, look, you'll find it. Go to all our socials things and you'll find it somewhere, I'm sure. If you just like listening to the podcast and couldn't be stuffed connecting with us in the in the greater realm of, of connections, then you miss out. Suck yep. it. Yep. <laughs> but you'll get to see a nice I – mean, you see me in the background lurking weirdly behind her as the audience, as the innocent audience member of my own – it's all very meta at that do point. You, do you move your lips at the same time that she's doing uh, it? I, um, I had to be told not to laugh. I was laughing at my own jokes, but I was <laughs> – <laughs> I, but I wasn't laughing at my own. My jokes. wife tells I, me that all the time. <laughs> I um I was tickled pink when I heard someone reading my script and it, it just and and doing her own version of it. But I was really like, oh, that's actually really funny. And I actually had that moment. That's really clever. Who wrote? Oh wait, I wrote yeah, that. Me. I wrote, it feels like that joke has been written for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, the actor, she very nicely so she took some direction from me. I was like, oh, what, you know, I was going to read it in this way. I was going to read it in that way. I was going to kind of slow it down. And I went, oh no. I don't do slow. I'm not a slow speaker and I'm not a no, no, no. I make mistakes at high speed and you should read it in the same way. <laughs> and she did, and she did really well. Like there's an energy to it. So yeah, have a listen for it, have a look for it. Look in the show notes, look on Twitter, look on Facebook, and you'll find it somewhere, I'm sure. I sometimes listen back to this podcast, but on a four month delay. <laughs> so I can because the first time I'm not I'm just thinking about what I want to say next and I don't mm-hmm. listen to you at all. And then the second time <laughs> I'm listening to you and getting angry at when you make mistakes because it's more work for me as I edit it. But I don't actually listen and enjoy the conversation until four months in the future. But I hear that I hear the setups and I go, 
oh, I've got a great joke that I'd say if I was there right now. And then me from the past says the same thing. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I am predictable. <laughs> uh, it's the same old tropes. It's like the uh, same shit that occurs to me. <laughs> You're not that bad, Dan. Like, I bet that doesn't happen to someone like Robin Williams. He's dead. Okay. Uh, I, I bet that doesn't happen to Ross Noble. Ross Noble's always got a brand new joke for every second of the day. You he's know, not he's relying very... on the same old... He's not using the same is old it... crutches that I'm staggering around on. Well, going back to what he said originally, Ron Williams, yes, he was kind of predictable. He was unpredictable, but he was predictable in his unpredictability. And a lot of the time, he'd just make crass jokes about dicks and vaginas and... You, you could, you could, you didn't oh, know exactly yeah. what he, he was going to say. Yeah, he'd do, a, he'd do a joke about how hairy he was. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so and he's got shtick too. Everyone's got shtick. Everyone's okay. got shtick. Yeah. And, the, and, and look, our listeners are here for our shtick. They, thank goodness they like our shtick. I mean, my favorite comedian in the world is Eddie Izzard. And, and I think Eddie, he's very funny and very intelligent person. But I also understand that after listening to him for, decades <laughs> i'm pretty confident i know where he's going to go i, li- I like it's the fact you're exactly like he- decades because you're like oh, this is the same person who doesn't know a week is seven days that's true so yeah. it's like what yeah. i think it's decades linear <laughs> time is a linear time's a thing man linear time is very difficult to i don't know how anyone handles it it's very weird oh yeah I don't, one day after another it's very confusing well, it's, it's just like it's just like falling down a set of stairs forever <laughs> Until you die. It's just like falling down some stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I watched a TV show on Netflix called Space Force. That's the office guy one. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Steve Carell yeah. and John Malkovich. They're playing the characters who are in charge of the new president's Space Force. Steve Carell plays someone, I think, from the Air Force who instead of getting a promotion in the Air Force is now in charge of Space Force and the difficulties that he has to deal with. It's, it hasn't been getting reviewed particularly well. Mm. I absolutely adore it. Okay. I think it's great. I loved every single episode. I thought that Steve Carell was wonderful. I thought John Malkovich is always sublime. Mm. But I just, I really liked all of the characters and it was really fun to watch. Now, the reason I'm talking about it as part of my This Week in Science, is that it does play a little bit fast and loose with science. Okay. So, obviously, this is a group of people who are trying to launch rockets towards the moon. They want to... Boots on the moon by 2004 is the... the 2004? I think it's 2004. No, hang on. No, 2024. Linear time, man. Or 2022. Anyway, Boots on the Moon in an unreasonably short amount of time is what right, the president okay. in question, the unnamed president in question, unnamed wants. President. Mm, good. Okay, that unnamed president. They play a little bit fast and loose with how quickly they can build stuff and how quickly things happen. Having a ticking clock is a very useful thing to do to, to add a sense of urgency to your story. So if you go, oh, we have to build a space source, you're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. We have to do it in two years! Like, and suddenly it's, it, that just adds instant tension. Yeah. Now, one thing that they do is they smuggle guns on the spaceship. Like, it's a research trip, oh, but they've got guns. Okay. And I'm like, well, that, I mean, that's not going to work. You can't fire a gun on the moon. There's no, no oxygen up there. And, you know, if if I know anything, it's that firing stuff inv- requires oxygen. Yes, yes. You can't fire a gun on the moon or in the vacuum of space. No, you can. No, you can fire a gun. You can, yes. Yes, because the, the you don't need air. You just need to have – it's all built into the into the cartridge. Oh, you're ahead of me we, on this one. Well, no, no, no. We, we talked about this before when we, we reviewed that bloody awful movie – Starring the guy from Fight Club. Ad Astra. Yes, yeah. Sub Astra, I think we called it. Yes, that's yeah, that's Subtract very Astra. So modern ammunition comes with its own oxidizer chemical that could trigger the explosion of the gunpowder. So you could fire a gun in space, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a slight danger that you will shoot yourself in the back because the bullet can fly all the way around the planet. Yeah, if you can go into orbit, I guess you can. Very low orbit. Yeah, what's, but the moons wouldn't be that low compared to a high-powered rifle. I haven't done the math, so surely not. Surely not a a hand like 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 a like a long arm like like I'm from the obviously the 17th century. But if you took like a a, a three o three or something and fired it, 
surely that could not go into orbit even on the moon one sixth the gravity there's no air friction no air friction you got a good point yeah. there yeah yeah but gravity's still going to pull it down so you have to be yeah, able to but that's how orbiting works yeah yeah no I know, I know it is but you still have to go far enough away so so that every time you drop down like every time you're the planet yeah the, the moon's like dropping away from you faster than you can go around look i said what... a very slight danger yeah yeah, yeah. i can't <laughs> go into I was, I, I was just intrigued how fast yeah I, yeah i'm just intrigued now oh I, and I you know what else they had in space force the characters when they're on the moon they bounce oh they, 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 yeah they bounce around they're like they're oh, they're, okay. they're, they're one sixth earth's gravity Ooh. which is something that they didn't get right in ad astra no uh, no no that bloody movie <laughs> I, I was okay with that. Okay, it's a bit fast and loose with time frames and stuff, but I'm happy to accept that. But then they did something that is unforgivable. What's up? They found the flag uh, that was left Uh-oh. on the moon, and Uh-oh. it was bright stars Uh-oh. and stripes, bright Uh-oh. red, bright blue. Uh-oh. And I was like, no, nope, no, nope, that's it. Suspension of disbelief is ruined. That yep. thing would be bleached beyond... Probably, yeah. And probably in tatters. Well, yeah, well, very much... Yeah, photo. torn apart by sp- space seagulls. <laughs> very, at the very least, we think that it was due to the chemicals used to dye it that they would have interacted with the ultraviolet light and bleached it white. Yes, yeah. We can't prove that. We can't. We've not taken a picture of it again, so we, we don't know that. But it's pretty much look. That's a thing. Yeah, well, I guess that's what they were counting on when they yeah. made this show. Yeah, that's right. But look, I loved it. I ha- I, I really enjoyed that show. So recommend. Cool. Have you ever heard of healer cells? Not healer as in fighter, druid, shaman, bard, and healer, but H E L A cells. No, no. Because I assumed that that's what you meant, is a healer. Because there are T cells, there are killer cells. Mm, So I assume that there are healer cells that are doing something else. No, no, no. These these healer cells are used, they're called immortal cell lines. Like healer, the goddess of death. Exactly the exact opposite, maybe. Oh, because this is these live forever. So does Healer, the goddess of death. Anyway, these Healer cells are used in medicine, and they're an immortal cell line, which I find really, really, really interesting. Because most of the time, you put a cell, and you you want to use them like the same cell over and over again to last a long time. And until the 1950s, basically, we couldn't do this. We we didn't we couldn't make cells go on and on and on and on. You take some cells, cultivate them from your body, and you they would they would die a very short time because they would split once or twice and turn into new cells, and then they just wouldn't go on and they'd undergo rubbish. That sucks. If I I, I wish that I had cells that would constantly create and create and create and, and cause never stop. In, no, you never stop and cause enormous tumors in my body. And strangely enough, this is where they come from. <laughs> Some of them, anyway. Woo, so these healer cancer. These healer cells. It's, I find this fascinating. These healer cells have been around now. Um, this cell line has been around since the 1950s, growing, dividing, passed around the world, doing amazing stuff. And they came from one woman, Henrietta Lacks, a 31-year-old African American mother of five, and she unfortunately got a type of cervical cancer, went into the hospital, and they were like, oh, that's real bird. And she died, which is very, very sad. And they took biopsies of her cells. And when they looked at her cells, they realized that they would just continue to make more cells. That even, as long as they were given food, as long as they were given nutrients, they yeah. were just like, hey! How do you so, give nutrients to a cell? Like, you don't you just put, cover them and put some grain down and have them munch Nutrient broth, basically nutrient broths, and you put wow. them in there and you get sugars and stuff like that, and he just goes, hooray! And these things would just, would, every 24 hours, they would double. And no one This is the plot to the blob. This is, it feels like it, yeah. Now, it's kind of sad, because this poor lady died, and the people, the scientists were like, wow, we've got this really cool thing here, these cells that won't die. We can culture these off and make more and more and more and more of them and test different cool stuff with them. And we won't tell a family, though, and we won't won't ask for permission that we do this. They just kind of – back then they didn't realize that's something you needed to do. So they took this lady's cells and they cultured them and they cultured them around the world and they passed them to everyone and they said, look at these amazing cells, these incredible, incredible immortal cells. How do they present? Do you just have like a blob of fat? 
or meat? No, 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 no. Or is it no, like no. a little t- in a test tube? Or? No, it's it's, a, it's on a on a plate basically. Does so you could scan, you could you could you, you could put them on there, and you could put chemicals on them and have a look at them. So you culture them like on in films, and then you can only cells, and then you use those films or the okay. bits and pieces. So you're not making a, a lattice work of a, you know a big arm or a pseudopod of cells or anything like that. It's, right. It's a, right. Yes, but they would continue to as long as you kept them fed, these cancerous cells would do their thing. They ever had senescence, they would just grow and grow and grow and divide and grow and divide make more and more of them and now in the 2020s we think there's about 50 million metric tons of this lady's cells it is the blob it is has been made around the world it's incredible like what's been done with these cells and they're super important they were the first ones ever to be immortal cells uh, and they've done incredible things so they were used to test the first polio vaccine in the 1950s so they were a big part of that. Been used in virology, looking at parvovirus, looking at uh, human papillomavirus vaccines, uh, looking at how to cure cancer, doing all sorts of genetic tests, people looking at developmental disorders such as Down syndrome. I mean, looking with these cells, they've gone to space. So in the 1960s, they sent these healer cells into space and they discovered that they divided even faster in zero gravity. So we, this yeah, is we definitely the, that's the sequel. That's definitely the blob too. <laughs> It's pretty spooky, isn't it? It's amazing what's going on with this lady's cells. And what's really, really weird is these cell, immortal cell lines, though that was the first one, there have been other ones as well. So there's ones made from like a mouse cells, one made from monkey uh, opossum cells, potteroo cells, a monkey's kidney cells. But there's also human ones as well, a, a cancer patient victim of the A549. There's HEC293 made from human fetal cells. There's a, um, jerkat cells from a guy with leukemia. Yeah, all sorts of these more immortal cells that we use. But the healer cells, they're, they're pernicious. They have a habit of getting everywhere because they grow so well. They've got in and contaminated other immortal cell lines. So they think now that 10 to 20% of all the immortal cell lines in the world that aren't healer cells are healer cells because they've got into like you've you've done a bit of work with a healer cell over here it's got onto your glove or something you didn't sterilize them properly they've lasted they've managed to get into another nutrient broth and gone hooray and they outcompete all the other or another immortal cell line so they think 10 percent of when you you think you might have a jerkat cell line this this one that was from a leukemia so a lymphocyte cells from a leukemia, leukemia case but you may have 10 percent of healer cells as well so i found it really really weird these cells can't be stopped dan and we probably don't want them to because we're doing amazing science with them. So this this lady is possibly one of the most important people who's ever lived then. Yes, Henrietta Lacks. That's exactly right. And she had no idea. She died. No one wow. Had, and her family, when they realized this contamination was happening around the world, the Russians were like, hey, we found these healer cells. In our, in our, like, did you, we did, and they're, and they're, oh my goodness, I've got over there too. Like, these cells have managed to do their thing. I, mean, I don't mean they're running rampant in the natural environment. I just mean they get contaminated in labs. And they were trying to work out, because it was ruining the experiments, because they, they were looking for certain cells, and these healer cells are getting in the way. And so they went to the family and they went, hey, can we get lots of blood samples? Because you're genetically related to your mum, and we want blood, lots of blood samples. But they hadn't told them why. So they didn't know that they're using their mum's cells and their grandmother's cells. And so these people were freaking out because the government kept saying, give us your blood so we can genetically test you. So we can screen Yeah, I've heard out- that before. <laughs> you can screen out your mother's cells, the genetic material, so we can maybe do that. So they didn't even come clean then. They only came clean, I believe, in the 1980s. They finally – in the 1980s, they went, oh, we should probably tell the people, the family that we've been doing this to their mum. That's Henrietta Lacks's healer cells because Henrietta Lacks healer H E L A. That's where the name comes from. Henrietta. So they yeah, they're, and they called them out without actually using her. Everyone knew them as healer cells, but most people didn't know where they came from. So I find it fascinating that these cells are out there. Fifty million metric tons so of he-la, cells. La is that he-la. actually the goddess of life? Ah, uh, I think so. That's cool. Gregoire. This segment is inevitable. You can't do that. You can't. You can't do that, can you? You can't do this. Ah, thank you. Yep, that'll do it. Sasquatch or Bigfoot? Who is who? It's all going down at the Crypto Zoo. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Crypto Zoo. In this episode of the Crypto Zoo, we are talking about Thanos. 
the Mad <laughs> Titan from mm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, last scene in Endgame when his game was spo- ended. Spo- spo- spoiler- spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers for mm. Avengers Infinity War. Yep. And the the next one that, I mean, which was would have already spoiled. Endgame. Yeah. No, in fact, just that one. Just Avengers Infinity War. That's what the spoilers are for. Yeah, okay. Like if, right. you, if, you, if you've watched Endgame and you haven't watched Infinity War, then you already know anyway. Yeah, but. that's true. Yeah, good. He died a lot. Thanos died more than once. Isn't that weird? Oh, uh, yeah. But then <laughs> that's, that's been going around in the MCU. Yeah, that, that's right. Everyone, you just, everyone comes back. Yeah. Yep. The Infinity Gauntlet is a glove made up of MacGuffins. Mm. Uh, MacGuffins, sometimes called a MacGuffin, a MacGuffin, a weenie, or a golden fleece. Greg, Ooh. I've almost collected all the names for MacGuffin. <laughs> Thanos is worried that there aren't enough resources in the infinite universe for the mm-hmm. tiny fraction of life in the universe. Mm-hmm. Rather than snapping his fingers and doubling the resources, he mm-hmm. snaps his fingers and half of life in the universe disintegrates into dust. Yep. Now, one can only assume half of the cows and half of the grass that the cows eat also goes... Or perhaps those are resources and were safe from the snap. So we can infer that if there was sentient life being harvested by something else, they might be snapped too. I, well, I mean, I, I assume he meant sentient life. And what I base this on is if he killed half the life in your body, like all your gut biome, you'd all be pooping a lot. You suddenly you'd be like, oh, no, and, like, lots of diarrhea would happen because you need gut biome to be kind of finely balanced. You're cult and all that sort of good oh, stuff. Oh, and, in fact, when, when people snap and would turn into dust, they would leave, like, just a, a biological ghost of... Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess, yeah, but it, it's, but in, just inside your body, all your gut bacteria would go and yep. half it would die and then you'd be... That's sick a mess. It's, like, not, and, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. and all those, all those things that, like, if you had... Two animals that were parasitic and killed half of them, then yep. you'd only have a quarter left. Oh. If you, if you, and if you wipe out half the plankton in the ocean, that has a lot more effect than wiping out half the whales because lots of other animals eat plankton as well. So yeah. you have a lot of problems. You have big problems. I think it's – so I, mean, I always assumed it was sentient life. I don't think like, that he's thought this through at all. Well, like did all the – half the dogs die? Could you Would you come home and not only have like you lost your mum or your dad – one or the other, probably. There you go. How do you decide? But, but what's then your sentient? dog's dead. Then your dog's also gone. Yeah. But your cat's alive, or maybe not. I don't think they talked about that. They didn't really go down that path. No. What happens if there's a planet where cannibals have a bunch of humans that they kidnapped, mm. and they're breeding them for food? But the mm. humans that they kidnapped are all sentient animals, sentient creatures, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, you've killed off half of our resources. How are we supposed to live our cannibal lifestyle?" Well, half of them are dead, I guess. Yeah, well, that doesn't help anything, does it? No. Like, they're still in the same problem. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Half yes. of all the food that we were going to eat well, is cannibals. gone, and there's they're half cannibals. of us. They're cannibals. Yeah, no, they're not cannibals. I misspoke. Oh, okay, right. okay, they're right. Sorry, eating humans. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, I see. not humans. These are aliens. Yeah, he did not. Like, I think, I think he might be a bit mad. I think he may be okay. a little bit crazy. Because in the, in the movie, it's all about biology in the comics it's because he's got a hard-on for mistress death yeah yeah yeah, but that's too silly yeah and he wants he wants to he wants to prove to mistress death the personification of death itself in the sandman comics is like a sexy goth chick so we could you know we all we we all went to that phase uh and then he's like hey lady death (laughs) listeners gregoire definitely went to that phase (laughs) and uh and and maybe never left it i'm just saying (laughs) i'm just I'm just saying. Thanos was trying to convince her to like him by murdering half the universe, which kind of makes more sense for killing half the universe instead of yeah. Greenpeace. I mean, it's 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 a good motivation, I think, for yeah. Thanos. But when you when it comes down to brass tacks, if he mm. blue skied that or had a room full of people who weren't just yes men, yeah, yeah, then yeah. maybe yeah. that people he would have been like, oh, actually, no, I haven't thought this through. Might have I might need to go back to the drawing board and sort of refine elements of it. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to talk about any of this stuff. This is not what I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Okay. I, what I want to talk about is disintegration. <laughs> of course. 
Doctor Who has rapid organ displacement, Star Wars has blasters, but proper 1950s sci-fi has disintegration, just like we saw Thanos do. Right. Turning the victim into tiny, tiny bits. Yep. Now, this is nice and easy if your targets are made of tissue paper. Yes. A super soaker will do the job. Yep. So why is this? Paper is made up of cellulose. Now, cellulose bristles with hydroxyl groups. So this means a hydrogen and oxygen atom hangs off the molecule. Mm. These atomic hairs form hydrogen bonds with each other, making them stiff and strong. But when yep. you get them wet, you introduce H2O into the equation. The bonds on the cellulose that are bonding with each other now want to bond with the hydrogen in the water. Yep. Their internal bonds are broken and the paper goes floppy and doesn't attach to itself properly either. Our paper Doctor Strange can then be separated with ease into tiny little pieces. Indeed. Indeed. Very good point. Yes. Now, this is the case with many organic materials. Cotton is more easily torn when it's wet and human hair is more fragile when it's wet. Yep. So Elon Musk must have got real wet on top for a little while. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is weird, isn't it? When he was like a nerdy guy making money out of PayPal... He had no hair. Like, he was definitely going bald. Definitely. You see pictures of him when he's younger? I can see where you're headed with this. And you're, what you're about to say is, isn't it weird that the rich man was able to change how he looked for the better? But look, I mean, people like Jeff Bezos, I mean, he's went bald, but he like he's he looks fit. He pays someone a lot of money to make him get up in the morning and run up and down the stairs and pick up weights and that sort of stuff. Like, he's driven. But, but Elon Musk's has like a big foot head of hair. And I always thought that wasn't possible. I always thought you'd end up going, no, they're plugs, or that's a wig, or I didn't think you can just throw money at hair problems and make them go away. I, I honestly thought, am I just being naive? I just thought well, that Well, they're plugs, wasn't... so I assume. All... Oh, okay. But I thought you could tell. Or blood, it's you? baby blood. Well, yeah. I, I always thought plugs were something you'd go, oh, that's plugs. You'd just go, I, nah, I don't know. I just thought... You get enough money, you can do anything. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so this is this so paper villains, yep, or villains made of hair, yes, yep, yep, he's a little more fragile when they're wet. Okay, mm. let's go with a slightly stronger superhero, mm. Lot's wife, <laughs> a powerful though morally compromised antagonist whose entire body is made of salt. Mm. Mm. Okay, let's hit her with a super soaker. She's going to disintegrate as well. Yep. Now, for different reasons, the cohesive forces are electrostatic and the water mm. molecules are dipoles. Yes. The sodium in the salt is positive and the chlorine is negative. So the water molecule pulls the positive atoms into the solution, but mm -hmm. it also flips around and pulls the negative atoms into the solution. Success, Lot's wife is disintegrated. Spread into a liquid medium, yes. She's become... Part of the solution. She has become part of the solution, yes. There you go. There you go. Okay, but that. not every living thing is made of salt, Craig. No, no. Though I try and lick it all to see if it is. We need to make big living things into tiny dead things. Yeah. So our next step is a wood chipper. Mm. Rotating blades to break apart larger masses into tiny, tiny chips of matter. Right. Organic material is easy to separate. It's often complicated and the bond between the various molecules are weak. Mm -hmm. Again, we're talking about hydrogen bonding or sometimes one of our favourite forces. Van der Waals. Van der Waals forces. Yay! Okay, so these are forces that sort of make things cling to each other. Yep. But if you hit it with a blade or enough pressure, like a karate chop through butter, the molecules deform out of the way and separate with a sort of a pop when the yep. forces become strong enough. But not all life in the MCU is organic, Greg. Sandman, no. Korg, Ultron. Yep, those are all MCU. I just, I just, I'm just, I heard someone scribbling down a time code and I'm like, <laughs> Sandman, yeah, Sandman, Spider-Man. Spider-Man is yeah, MCU. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but was he, was he in the MCU? Was Sandman been in the MCU? He was in the Spider-Man movies. It doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. He's, he's not been in the MCU, but. By yeah, yes, it makes sense yep. that he will be at some point. Yeah, yeah. Until sometime between now and the heat death of the universe, they're going to run out of villains and they're going to go go back to Sandman. Excellent. Okay, when we send Korg through the wood chipper, something mm. very different happens. 
the energy of the blades are pushing against the atomic structure. Sometimes they deform like a big ball of magnets. So if you hit a big ball of magnets with a bone, they sort of fought, but deform out of the way, but they still maintain their all their connections. Right. They still connect, but the substance can change shape. Stronger forces rip through the material, detaching, shifting, and reconnecting. So there's like this lightning fast shuddering of like atoms snapping apart, shifting, and then reconnecting because they, they can't sort of separate them. The, the energy between these things, the yeah. atoms want to be together. Yeah. So this Very loop, strong bond. Yeah. So this loop of energy travels inside the form, but sometimes the force is big enough to leave fractures in the substance. Crystals form and reform to try to dissipate the energy, but eventually those atomic forces are going to give up and the energy has to go somewhere else, sound and heat. Mm-hmm. And they snap apart. And that is how blades affect non-organic matter. Right. But there is a then a lot of meat and metal parts left over after the snap. So it's, maybe yeah, we can yeah. make this go smaller. If you hit someone with enough energy... You could pop all those bits apart into a powder, but that's a lot of energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a, really a nuclear be. bomb can do that. Mm. Anything within around five kilometers from the explosion of an atomic bomb will be atomized, mm-hmm. or at least organic stuff. Poof. Mm. Just yep. gone. Gone. Dust. But the pieces don't drift away peacefully, Craig. No, no, no. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of um, repercussions to what you've just done. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. I was, so I was thinking, perhaps what he did, what the snap does, is yes. in its victims, it changes every molecule to a proton. This mm-hmm. would mean that those atoms would want to attach to a negative, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't want to be around another positive, so they'd fly apart. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like they would probably do that at speed as well. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would be bad, he said. Hey, don't cross the streams, said yeah, yeah, Ghostbuster yeah, that, I mean, I think you need to go further than that. You need to get deeper than chemical bonds. We need to go nuclear. We need to go. We need to go to the fu- fundamental forces of the universe. So we need like the strong nuclear force. Yeah, because we need something. We need something to make the object just drift apart like leaves on a fall day. In an atom, so you have a proton and you have uh, neutrons and you have electrons. But not about those. So protons are made out of and neutrons are made of quarks. So two up quarks, one down quark. And they're bound together with a strong nuclear force. And that's a lot of energy. Like a lot of energy is bounding it together. In fact, 1% or so of your proton's mass is made up of the quark mass. And the rest is the energy binding it together. Oh, wow. But ton of energy. So if he can snap his fingers and switch off the strong nuclear force, then suddenly you have unbound quarks and nothing holding them together. And matter would just fall apart. So that's my that's that's how so, I so the cohesive bonds yes like that's that's energy yes the en- there's energy there and that makes them th- things here so everything's gluons gluons it's what's called yeah the, oh the, yeah the, the, the binding energy is called a gluon so, so basically so it, you shut down the gluons so everything that stays together stays together because there's energy in the system yes if you can remove the energy from the system yeah then you could turn something into basically ash it would turn into free-floating quark, which doesn't happen in nature very often. But because we're shutting down the strong nuclear force, they would just suddenly go, oh, and they just fall apart themselves probably. You'd have three quarks in your proton, and then they would just go, we we don't like being apart, and they would probably just fall into photons of energy yeah. as well. It would probably just fall apart. Well, well it would this, definitely this fall apart. This is kind of what happens in a fire, isn't it? The, no, the... that's chemical. Well, yeah, but the... You've got you've got all your mass that's sticking together. It's being all cohesive. Yes, and yeah. then you do you run a chemical process over it, and yeah. all of that energy leaves, and there's no longer any energy to make the atoms stick together. Yeah, it's a chem- that's a chemical process. I'm, I'm talking about cert- a nuclear process, but it's certainly a way to take energy out of the system. So it's yes, the energy yes. that's glu- t- making things connect is now not there, and now it's just ash. It falls apart. It's a powder. Yes, yeah. Which is what we're after. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep, I can see that. I just I just want to make sure, because I know people will write in and say, you can't call fire a nuclear process, because it definitely isn't. So a fire only takes out less than 1% of the energy in a system. Like if you burn something, you, you most, it, the, most of the mass is still has energy. It's, I mean, it's bound oh, up. You, you could, you could, so you could split the atom and 
You could still yes. s- split an ash atom yeah, and get right. energy yeah, out of yes. it. You, you could take a piece of burnt carbon and split that and get a big explosion because like, that's e equals mc squared. Mass times the velocity of light squared gives you a butt-ton of energy. So you could still split that. And even when you split an atom, though, you don't get massive – you don't get all the energy out of it. Like you, you only get – I'm I'm pulling some very old facts out of my head here, like 40% in a standard, you're not really, it, it binds into other things, things happen, I think. So we're talking about snapping your fingers and switching off 99% of the energy inside a proton, leaving 1% of the mass, the, the quarks behind. So basically all that, you're transferring nearly every bit of it, into energy which would be really bad you'd hopefully because i'd suddenly have all this energy radiating out and everyone would get gamma rayed out of existence <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a pleasant so, experience i mean you probably so you probably wouldn't need to take all the energy out of the system you just need to take enough to turn them into ash you need to, you need some way well if we're talking this way about getting rid of the strong nuclear force to shut down the strong nuclear force so they're no longer bound together would probably require you to shut down the force nearly entirely which means a butt ton of energy is being released. You'd, have, you'd want it to make it go away. Yes, and, you need but, to move energy, the energy out of the system. Energy can't be created or destroyed. No, so yeah, we, well, have, that's... we have a problem here. So, so he's obviously well. He's got a magic MacGuffin uh, hand, so he can maybe he can click his fingers, shut down the strong nuclear, f- the the gluons, and all that energy. He must then take that energy and put and it goes, somewhere else in the universe. Well, it probably goes into the glove. Yes, maybe that's. Because that really hurts him whenever he does oh. that. He's like, boom, and all that energy, all the energy of all the people who turn into dust go yeah. back into the hand. Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah, that'd stuffed. be very, very bad. Yes, and that's what happened to the Hulk when the Hulk brought everyone back. Well, all, all the energy in the Hulk's arm yeah. pushed out, and now he can't use his arm. It's in a sling. Yeah, he will. That's the Hulk. Scared. It's the Hulk. He's the Hulk actually creates mass yeah, out so, of yeah, rage. Does. Like, he does. He's, he's something different completely. He can make matter. They said he was the only one who could do it. It wasn't because he was strong. It was because he was gamma irradiated. So we kind of got something here. To bring back life, yep. you they need, needed oh, to Oh, you the, took some of the gamma out of him. It, it took some of the gamma out of him. And so the, so he creates gamma rays. He's not just a radiator. He seems to create it. And as you said, he goes from a little weedy guy to a big, massive monster. And he gets bigger the, the, the angry he He's making mass. If you're making mass equals MC squared again, that's a butt ton of energy he's getting from somewhere. He's put that into the glove. And yep. he's brought everyone back to life by reconstruct, reconstituting them by, I don't know, rebinding them somehow. And that required a massive amount of energy, the same energy that Thanos took out. And then Tony Stark did the same thing, took all that energy into him, fried and, him to a crisp. But that, but yeah, but he couldn't bring people back, obviously. He, he just died. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he just, because he was, he should technically have just exploded. Remember in Guardians of the Galaxy, if you grab it by yourself, then your life ends very quickly, unless you're some sort of super powerful being. Yeah. And all, all the Guardians had to hold them together just to hold that shit down for two, two seconds whilst yep. they killed Ronan. Ronan yep. Keating, the British crooner Ronan Keating. F*** that guy. Oh, everyone hates that guy. <laughs> One of the most evil forces in the universe. Oh, Ronan Keating, it's true. Uh, yeah, we, I think we've, we've hit on something. We've really hit on something now. But this all makes sense, Jan. Yeah, that's what the cryptos is all about. <laughs> Making sense of the universe. Well, I think, Dan, that it was um, inevitable. Hey! He said the thing! He said the thing! Imagine, Dan. All the people. No, not just people. You're at the beach. You decided to you know, have a lovely day. Ah, ah, you no, know, you're having a happy day. Ah, happy putting day the on beach. the cream. You, you put the cream on. We live in Australia. You should, you should have put it on way before this, this hypothetical started. You Covering myself in parasols. <laughs> and you're having a lovely morning at the beach, having a grand old time. And you go, oh, I'm a bit peckish. I think I'm going to have some food. I could have a sandwich. Oh, very good. Oh, thank you very, very much. Go, that's go. very, that's very eight years old of you. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you'd like to support the podcast, we have <laughs> please send help too. Please send a book on jokes. Yeah, yeah, you're better than that, Dan. You're better than that. I, I, I believe in you. But you're there. You're there having a. You, you're a bit peckish, and you decide you have a meal, and you open up your picnic a basket, picnic basket. And suddenly, 
all the gulls in the universe arrive. Oh, I hate those guys. The Frog Princess and I go down to the beach occasionally to have fish and chips, mm. and those squawking sons of bitches, yes, yes. they just line up. They're like, oh, yep. come on, come on. We recognize that package. They don't get yep. shit from me because we're good human beings. We good. don't encourage that sort of behavior Yep. because these birds need to fend for themselves, and if they rely on us too much, then then what happens? We all get coronavirus, and then they all die, and boom, big problems. Or Why? the birds are attacking you. You're not supposed to feed the magpies either because if the magpies start to rely on you and then you in any way cross them, then they have a go at you, and then the council comes in and they kill them can yeah it can go badly and uh they, they live like 20 plus years so it's not like you, birds can like magpies can have a bloody long time so you, you have an animal with a grudge that can yeah. recognize you yeah but anyway so we've got seagulls and it seems they understand our food so you go they really want my food there's food over there for them there's food all the whole world is full of food but they're like no nah, i'm getting your food i want your food they'll pluck it out of your hand they'll fight and squabble over it not they, a second seems- time they won't Weirdly, a weird flex there. I'll yeah. kill a bird and I'll do no. it again, Dan. Oh, I won't kill him, uh, but I'll he'll learn a lesson. Good, good. But there's been some research, thank goodness, in the University of Exeter in Britain, and the zoologist Dr. Madeline Gumas did a cool bit of research. Do these gulls, in this case they're herring gulls, British herring gulls, are they just attracted because it's the smell of food? Is it got to do with humans is it packaging what is it about it that makes them go oh yeah that's food i want that food so she did an experiment which is a really cool experiment where imagine you're at a fancy restaurant that that you know, serve food up with a lovely dish like a platter a, a platter you know you go voila and suddenly it's like eyeballs or something you know whoa exciting food and you you take your food and they they took these um flapjacks so basically giant pancakes and they took them down to the, the water's edge and they sat there for a while and the experimenter put on sunglasses because they know that making eye contact with the bird can freak them out so they don't like it. So they put sunglasses they can't see the eye they didn't make any sudden motions they let the smell waft around a bit and the birds were like oh this is human sitting down something's going on here and the birds sort of turned up and then what they did was they opened the platters up two flapjacks on the, from the plates. The human picked up one of the flapjacks and held it in their hand and put it near their mouth and smelt it for a bit and basically went, oh, I made foody kind of gestures yes. around it and then put it back on the plate and then sat back and waited. And 80% of the birds went, oh, I'm going to eat that thing. And they went for that flapjack. The one that wasn't touched by the human or acknowledged by the human, though they look exactly the same, only 20% went, let's, let's peck at that thing. Weird. So it, was, it wasn't just the fact that it was just smelled like food. It was the fact the human touched one of them, and that seemed to give indication to the bird that, oh, that's food. That's human food. We should ah, touch that. So it's, it's not the having. It's the taking. Well, I, I, I think they want they, to deprive people of food. <laughs> I don't know about psychology of it, but then they did the experiment again with non-food. So they took something that didn't smell like food. It was just a, a piece of sponge, the kind of flat, like a flapjack, but a piece of sponge. Did the same thing, picked up the the, the, the sponge, went, oh, smell, smell, held it up, held about 20, 30 seconds, put it back down. And very few of the birds raced forward. Some did come and exploratory peck at them, both of them, but they equaled out. They would peck at one and they'd peck at the other one equally, both bits of sponge. So the birds seemed to understand that one was food and one wasn't. Sorry, one experiment was food and the other experiment wasn't food. Mm-hmm. But then went, when it was food, we really wanted if the human touched it. Something about they understand, they made a connection between us and good food, as in the best primo food is what they think. And this is really weird because – we know dogs can do this. Dogs are pretty good, but most other animals and cats, domesticated animals can, but most other wild animals can't. They, they just don't seem to understand to do this. They don't think they don't see it as a, a way of finding great food. Ah. Seagulls being the voracious bastards that they are, so that omnivores like us, yep. then they go, well, we, now I'm getting into supposition territory, but maybe if they go, hey, that giant omnivore, they know what's going on. I'm going to grab their food because it'll be better than the other crap they've left on the floor and not guarding. These gulls seem to have some kind of learnt social learning. Seems that's why they survive in urban environments. Now, we don't know if 
we've selected, the birds are selected to live in our environments, or these birds have survived because they look for cues in other animals. We're not too sure. Like, mm. we don't know that. But there you go. Seagulls. No such your, thing. They want your food. There's no such What's thing that? as a seagull. Well, it's, it's a herring gull. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. They're just gulls. There's no, gulls. there's no, yes. there's nothing that is a seagull. No. All it, gulls, just, you know, true. sort of fly around near the sea. Yeah. Or, or not. But they, none of them are like, none of them live in the sea and none of them are specifically, oh, that's a seagull as, compo- no. as opposed to a land gull. Yeah, there are herring gulls. You're right. You're, yeah. you're technically correct. The best I just, hey, correct. Don't you, wouldn't you rather be picked up by, on, by no, me no, right now rather than just someone fine. else four <laughs> weeks from today? <laughs> My first trip to Britain freaked me out. I was sitting at Brighton Beach, which is there. What a god-awful beach that is. It's rocks. Don't call it a beach if it's rocks the size of your fist. It has to be sand at least. Otherwise, it's a weir or it's some kind of sea break or it's a wall. Uh, it's a natural barrier, but it's not a There's beach. There's very few sand beaches in the world. That's true. It's a That's tiny true. amount. A tiny amount of coastline. It's like 1% of coastline is sandy beach yeah. and everything else is just garbage and that's why australia well western australia where i live it's like five thousand kilometers of beautiful sandy beach insane we got a fair uh, bit of australia. mud on my side <laughs> you have to have a stable ocean level for a long period of time because the ocean rises and the sand all is covered up oh and we think real- how that works so if you've got a and big you- flat old country yeah it's all beachy but if you've yeah. got, like, a brand-new country, it's like the coastlines of Oregon where it's just yeah, jagged or, or teeth fjords, everywhere. Norway and fjords and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Or, or Iceland doesn't have a lot of beaches because, well, it's it's a goddamn mountainous hellhole of, of – of, it's actually love it. It's an amazing country. I highly recommend going there. But it's volcanic and being rebuilt and reshaped. It's at, it's at the junction of two plates, for God's sakes. So it's, yeah, bad news. But where I live, there's not much sort of topsoil because you have what's called the Ballandine Sands because where I am now, 150,000 years ago, was underwater. And what are called the Perth Hills, a couple of tens of kilometers away off to the east, used to be the coastline. And so where I am, the sand built up over time under the sea, a shallow sea, the shallow coastline. Yep. And then when, this, when the waters receded, now we've got this horrible sand. It's a very bad place to build a civilization, Dan. It's a bit dumb. Don't do that. Yeah, you're not supposed to build on sand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are foolish, foolish men. But here's a problem with, with global warming, one of the other problems. Of course, if the oceans will rise and we'll lose all our sandy beaches. They won't have time to develop more sandy beaches if the water rises too fast. Ooh. So there you go. No more surfing. Yeah. No more, well, no, uh, be surfing. No be more surfing. sandcastles. No more sandcastles. No, no, more, sandcastles. no more picking on little 90-pound weaklings. And stealing their girlfriends by kicking sand in their face. Yeah. Or having sand kicking your face and having your girlfriend stolen by her. Never happened to me. Didn't have a girlfriend in the first place. (laughs) You showed them. Yeah. Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener... (laughs) Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Come in, everyone. Sit on the floor. Cross your legs. Be quiet. Walk of Shame. Okay. Hey, what did I just say? I'm sorry. In the Walk of Shame, our diligent listeners are eagerly listening and trying to help us become perfect beings who eventually mm. ascend. Mm. When the podcast ends, you'll know why we've ascended to become perfect beings. Yep. It's getting real close. <laughs> this is like purgatory. Basically, our, <laughs> our, our sins are being flogged on the rivers of podcast, and very soon we will be flensed, flensed of all our sins and we will be scrubbed clean in the eyes of the podcast gods. Well, one of the listeners is helping you get just that little bit closer, Gregoire. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> this is from Carrington Vanston. Hello, Carrington. Who I inter- used to like you. Who interviewed us a couple of uh, episodes ago. Can I just say that I've been listening to his podcast, hoping that I was the only person to ever listen to his podcast. Because he said that sometimes he does a podcast, yeah. and then we have one listener. So when he comes, I try and jump on there and listen to it, and he go, "Yeah, man, does it go away?" I can't, I can't know. No, so that's not how this works. No, oh. he's been listening to you, and so he has got he's got a walk of shame for you from episode one. Oh no! Come on. <laughs> okay, 
that doesn't. Surely there's, there's a there's statute a, of limitations? limitations. He mentions yes. that actually. Oh. <laughs> no, we, well, I think we have. I think we've actually said that we've done. Yeah. There's a, a seven year statute of limitations. Right. You're not allowed to call us out on anything from this early on. Okay, good. Uh, so we just move on if you like. No, no, but, no look. Yes, I'm, he's lovely, and I wouldn't want to upset a Canadian. So okay. You were discussing the components of white light, and you said all white light is actually Roy G. Biv. Red, mm-hmm. orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, violet. And he says, well, actually, the G doesn't stand for blue, and the B doesn't stand for green. <laughs> okay, so possibly possibly <laughs> what you meant to say was Roy B. Jiv. Um, although anyone who calls it Roy B. Jif is wrong. That's not how you pronounce that. It's Jiv, not Jiv. This is getting very confusing. Yeah. That's just, that's the most pedantic rubbish I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I, just, I mean, look, it's technically correct. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But come on. I mean, I just got the two mixed up. It's Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. I, I, yes. Yes. Thank you, Carrington. Thank you. So inevitably, when you hear Dan make a terrible, terrible gaffe, Get in contact with Greg at smartenough.org. And if Greg ever makes a mistake ever again, although I highly doubt that that will happen, <laughs> please send an email to dan at smartenough.org. That's right. We'd love to hear from you, anything you like, but not too far back. Come on. We were young and needed the money. Come on. You know, don't don't hold it over forever. Yeah, that, that episode one bullshit. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And the other sexy voice on the line is Greg at smartenough.org. If you would like to follow along with our hijinks, you can get along to smartenough.org and press any of the relevant social media buttons or subscribe buttons. It's like a Skinner box, but for only really sexy, successful people. You can click on our email addresses down the bottom if you want to tell us that the other person got stuff wrong. Yeah. Or if you just want to contact us and say hi, we always love hearing from our listeners. We just, yeah, yeah. I really, really honestly do. They give us ideas and they say, hey, we tried this. And and I do listen to them. Sometimes we can't get them. Sometimes it takes a bit of a process to try and find someone. But yeah, if you've got great ideas, I'd love to hear them. It's less work for me. <laughs> yeah. And I and I usually get back to our listeners in a good two or three weeks. I'll get there. I won't leave anyone hanging. Sometimes I wake up and and there's an email from a listener and I'll answer it really quickly before my brain's kicked in. So like half my brain is answering it like a like a porpoise. Yeah. And then I and then I, an hour later I go back and read it and go, oh no, oh oh, what was I? Oh dear, the grammar and the what was I trying to say there? So they probably think, oh, Greg sometimes seems to have head injuries. He's just tired. He's just waking up. So I shouldn't do that. Yeah. If you would like to support us, <laughs> you can. There's this cool thing called Patreon. Only the most attractive people do. Let's let's not jump straight to the page. Let's let's oh, okay. let's romance them first, Gregoire. <laughs> you could pop a little bit of money into the into the tip jar if you like. That is certainly what Martin Balvers did. Oh, thank you, Martin. Which was good. So and said kind That's regards kind. from one of your Dutch listeners. There are at least two we- of us. And as you point, <laughs> as you pointed out to me, Greg, you could split that twenty bucks between the both of you, and that makes you double Dutch. That's great. That's a great joke. <laughs> we have, I, it fascinates me. We have a number of German listeners and Danish listeners, Dutch listeners, Finnish listeners. Yeah, we, we we're big in Scandinavia. That's pretty cool. Some and, people and even in, finish early. That's that's yes. Oh wow. Uh, Norway, Norway, no, Norway, Norway, Norway. Norway. Uh, no, I'll pay that. I'm on board. That's, that's right. Never too sure. Never too sure. It always depends on Dan's mood. Sometimes I drop a pun or a bad joke, and Dan's just like, "No, no, you're bad, and you should feel bad." And I'm like, "No, that's fair enough." Sometimes he's like, "No, I'm good for it." So it's, yeah. he's like I'm very tired. He's like an abusive spouse. All my defenses are down now. I'm <laughs> gaslighting him. Oh. Yay? Yeah. Oh, that's not a thing. What? <laughs> Am I just crazy? Yeah. Uh, very good. Gaslighting's not a thing. You've made it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we sell T-shirts. We sell T-shirts on the website. Yeah. Jeez, I don't know. Buy it if are you we, want to wear we, it. I mean, you should. And and are we still trying to create a whole new T-shirt range? We have, we've, we have ideas, don't we? We have ideas. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, in, my, it's in my little list of things to do. 
yeah. If people want cool t-shirts, cool t-shirt ideas, we've got some cool ideas. Would you like some new t-shirts? Let us know. Because I, I we, we don't have to make a million dollars on this, but we try and make our money back. And so, and how, and how, and how getting- yeah, you see, you, we try to make our money back, but you explained to me that we have to sell like a 420 of, of your, of your it comedy bloop shirts. It wasn't, it wasn't that many, but it was, it was, yeah, it was it, over. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. But that's fine. But we can, but the, look, that's neither here nor there. If people want them, I'm happy to do it. We but just, on the, on the flip side, people also give us money for just, for, and get nothing in return. So. Good point. You know. Well, they get, they get this amazing podcast, Dan. That's what they get. No, they're not paying for that. Like, <laughs> we, we're, we're, we're suckers. We keep doing that. We, we started doing this for free. This is just gravy, really. Right. Yeah. Speaking of gravy, thank you to our Patreon supporters. That well allows made. us to continue doing the podcast. <laughs> Yay! We love you. Thank yes, you very much. You can you can give us like when I say I love you, I love you. You know who I'm talking about. You, you I love can, you. You you can yeah. no, not them. You you can give us a little bit. Right. If you give us five bucks or more, we're going to call out call you out on the podcast and go. Oh, thanks very no, much. Gang, call, call I'm going to do it. Call, so, Granny Maguire, thank you so much. Andrew Potts, thank you so much. Avi Greenbury, thank you so much. Gary Heather, thank say, you so much. I, can I, hey, wait, stop, stop. Can I say the thank you so much bit? You say the name and I say the thank you, thank you so much. Gary Heather. Thank you so much. Andrew Whitehurst. Thank you so much. God, this, this delay is killing me. Matt Ewers. Thank you so much. Elizabeth Youngkin. Thank you so much. Phil Holland. Thank you so much. You're more than O'Hare. Thank you so much. Lindsay Jacobson. Thank you so much. Stevie. Thank you so much. Matthew Toy. Thank you so much. Ilana Mitchell. Thank you so much. And Michael Barnes. Thank you so much. Three what times. do I, well, what do I give you anything to do? Honestly, you do want something done right, you do it yourself. <laughs> okay. I'm just giving an energy to it, an energy, an individual, an individual. Thank you so much. Bet the people who got the individual one from me are much happier than who got the generic one from you. Yeah, maybe. Not but they're not paying for that. Not going to do it every time. Okay. So, right. we did it that time. <laughs> so we also have a top tier. So if you pay us 15 cool. bucks, well, if you were $5, you were a, a blimp crew member. Yes. But now but now you're not. Now you're something else. You're staying humble. Yes. God knows why we do this. But I get. I have to insult you. <laughs> I have to insult you. And, jeez, it's just getting harder and harder. So I came, up with a, I came up with a really interesting idea this time. Actually, before I get to that, I, one of our Patreons, one of our How to Be Humble Patreons is Mitchell Keeter. And I complained that he never gave us any information about how to pronounce his name properly. So he finally got back to me about this and he said, you've had eight months to figure out pronunciation of my name and countless attempts are made on air. You've failed every single time. (laughs) I don't blame you, but only because I'm a very forgiving person. So that's not how not blaming people works, but that's all right. We'll be ahead. Okay, but it looks like you need help. God, so patronising. That's uh, it's very passive-aggressive. Yeah, point, yeah. So, yeah. So, it looks like there is no video with correct pronunciation of my name, but there is one video of the incorrect way, so don't get inspired by them. So, I had a look and went, okay, I can rule out that pronunciation. What was that pronunciation? Oh, like, Michel. Michel Kedar. And then a rabbit came out of a hat. <laughs> okay so how to do it properly is you go to the page with the check speech th- synthesizer and enter mitchell kidder into the text area yeah. and after pressing synthetizovat you're going to hear his name you can switch <laughs> voices by selecting a different one ivor jan jiri and pressing synthetizovat after selection all voices starting with Ivor should be first, and Radka sixth, and Elena are totally fine. I am extremely glad to help. So we're going to hear that now. Okay. Michal Kadop. Greg didn't hear it. I'll put it in no, afterwards, no, and no. I don't. I don't think I ever did it either. But I'm going to do it before the podcast goes out. And then now <laughs> I'm going to insult Mikkel. Mikkel Keda. Okay. Now. I came up with a bit of a came up with a bit of a. Is that how it sounds? So you're just you're just getting it wrong again. Uh, it, yeah, the last name is definitely Kidda, so it's real harsh. Okay, Kidda, very good, very good. Okay, 
I mean, that's such an Australian thing to do, by the way, just to go, we, we elongate every vowel into oblivion. We go, Kida. Kido. 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 Kido, mate. Okay. So I came up with an interesting shot. idea, Gregoire. So rather than insults, I thought maybe I could make very nice comments, but done in a very offensive, racially stereotyped accent that... That just that, that that forever connects them with something really terrible. Oh, what are you doing? So I've been practicing my most no. offensive accents, Gregoire. No, 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 no. And partway through that, I realised, yeah, this is too far even for me. Oh God, oh, this God, is oh, God. this. No, I'm, I can't do that. So instead, I've thought I'd do something for the greater good. I'm going to take oh. some of those terrible stereotypes that land on other races. And I'm going to take them off them and I'm going to apply them to our Patreons so that they, then those stereotypes what? end up on our Patreons. This is not going to end well. Not, yeah. Okay. So, Mitchell Keter, you are very inscrutable. You can't drive. You have a tiny penis and are laughably oh, good at maths. What are you doing? Your, your beautiful culture, reaching back thousands of years, can be safely ignored while I assume that you are good at karate. Tom Siri. I don't know. I can't. I don't. I don't know, Dan. This is what we do I for just, money, Greg. I don't. This is what I you. Feel, this is what you're I, making me do. Your your th- your fingerprints are all over this. No, no, no. Okay, Tom Siri, oh, no. you are lazy, and yet perhaps counterintuitively are taking all the jobs. Oh God, Dan, Dan, Dan. I don't. Why? For money, for 15 bucks a pop, Greg. Steve Stewart. Steve Stewart, you are violent and untrustworthy. Also, I've stolen all of your music and made it both profitable and yet somehow worse. Dan. Scott Driscoll. Are we... (sighs) We? No, we're not... Nothing's happened to us. No. No. You? Yeah. (laughs) You're you're responsible for this. Scott Driscoll. Okay, you are selfish with money, yet also known for investing in the most fiscally volatile and passion-driven industries in the world. God. And finally, Dustin Fallon. You are always drunk and you come from nowhere. Despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, I will say you've never been able to look after yourself and if left to your own devices, you just live in the dust. Now I'm going to let my sheep trample all over your farm just because you and your culture never made fencing wire. So thank you to those guys. We also have two listeners, Eric and Al, who don't want me to insult them, which is good. So I just want to say, Eric and Al, you guys have such beautifully formed bone structure. You guys really are the master race. So thank you so much what? to our patrons. What happened? What happened? <laughs> thank what you happened? to our patrons for your support. Hang on, I need to. I, I need hope to that that was insulting enough. We need an adult and we horrifying adult enough here. to listen to. We need adults. Help someone. We need someone to. Help Lord of the flies now, baby. I can't. I can't. We can't. I can't. I won't. I can't. I don't. I don't. I. I can't. And as we always like to say, Dan is inevitable. Damn it, Dan! I'm immortal. You're gonna live in this iron lung. I'm gonna pull you around the wasteland behind me, like the world's slowest fury road. <laughs> Fury, Fury Lane is <laughs> Gosh, that is, there is something there, is there? Fury Lane is in my heart and part on fire. Ba 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 ba. The Doof Warrior. <laughs> what about cocks? Yeah, roosters, definitely. Yes. Cocks have no cocks. Cocks have no cocks. The cocks, no cocks. Ostriches have cocks. Ducks have cocks. Peacocks, no cocks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's very confusing. Ridiculous. And some people think it's because ladybirds like small cocks. Wait, ladybirds? Ladybirds. Now we're outside of the entire <laughs> kingdom. That's right. 
It sounds almost magical, doesn't it? A big dicked ostrich, but then you have a little ladybird friend who's like, no, I prefer smaller penises. So you go on an adventure to cut your own dick off. There's a weird parable that is starting to form here. (laughs) I don't know what the lesson is, or if there is one, or that we should even try and work it out. Welcome to 100 and... No, 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 no. no. Ten no. years and we still can't start the podcast. There you go. <laughs> oh, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, have you frozen? Oh, you haven't frozen. No, your eyebrows are moving. That's good. Excellent. Anything you'd like to ask me at this point in the oh, podcast? Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Thomas, sure. So have you been doing anything with your week in science, Dan? Yes, I have. Thank you for that <laughs> natural progression of questions. God, we've been doing this for so long. You'd think that we'd be... This should be a well-oiled machine at this point. You don't own cells that you, you push out. So let's say you have a big poo. And then they come and they find your poo and they use the blood that's in your poo to solve cancer. You don't own those cells. They're not yours. They don't belong to you. What you, if I put got... them in a jar? Uh, like, I imagine yes. it's only once they leave the property. Uh, like, it's well, when you throw, you, you don't own your trash. Once you've thrown out yes. your trash. Yeah, I guess you, so. that's, then, yes, that's, that's right. then you don't own that. Yes. But if you, so... if you collect your poos in jars and catalogue <laughs> them in the back room... Yes. Hmm. then there's, there, there's, that's still your excrement. Yes, I, I guess so. That was an excellent end game for us. Yeah. Uh, if I could snap these fingers. I love the fact you can't do that. It's such a weird... I don't understand. I told a woman at work that you can't snap your fingers. But I can't remember the context, but it was important. And I wasn't just mocking you. And she then proceeded to snap all her fingers. She can snap. I can't quite do it. But she can snap. She just went what like she went, and she can actually snap all her or like her thumb along every finger. Well, I can only really do two or so, three. So with, with with the ones that you can't, yes, that's all my fingers. That's yes. it's very easy to understand. You must have weird floppy fingers because you just have to harden, just have to harden your finger, push your thumb and your 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 give it the finger finger, and then together and then slam them like push them past each other so it slams into your palm and that's what makes the click now here's a problem with thanos dan that glove could not click its fingers there's no way that glove could actually slam its finger against the palm it was too bulky so you so was thanos maybe he practiced really hard maybe that's the power that's why he needed the reality stone is so that he could actually (laughs) just make it go click he can turn people into slinkies, Greg. He can click <laughs> his fingers. <laughs> I just love the fact that he's like, I am inevitable. Ah, oh, oh, shit. I can't. Oh, God, I have not thought this through. Hang on. Clap for Thanos. I, yeah, I, I need a Clap second glove. <laughs> yes, life off? Life, life off. Life, uh, dust. Life Undust. <laughs> that would be not as cool. No, not, not as cool at all. And he, could he be like the, the Thanos, the mad flamenco dancer? I mean, that's terrifying. Hey, senor, I am inevitable. Hey! We're getting to, we're getting to some scary areas now. That's super racist. Super racist. Super racist. That's an MCU character we're not yeah, going to see until after Sandman. No, no, no. Well, until Captain Marvel could punch him in the face or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>